Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. F- Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are here. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G, with me as per usual, none other than Mikey Maximus the Vernicus Charette. What's up? What's up? What's up? Not much, Mike. How you doing? I'm doing really well. Yeah. Uh, waiting for some coffee to brew up, but uh, you know, I feel the I feel the energy, yes. Doc G. I feel the energy already. I don't need this artificial, you know, boost. No. But it is eight, nice. eight and a half to a nine. Yeah. Again, huh? We're oh going yeah, to... yeah, yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I feel that. Oh feel man. That. Now I <laughs> I am not, as we know, Girl, but I'll, I'll fake it. I'm an eight and a half to nine. <laughs> Let's say I. Am. Uh, okay. Mike, you you haven't done we hmm. we we've been talking. You haven't done any traveling recently, right? No traveling. Um, no, not not too far away. Yeah, to Arizona. It's like four hours. Yeah, but uh, pandemic yeah. puts the traveling makes it a little bit harder. It's uh, yeah, definitely. But I've got some places. I'm excited to say this is really this has really piqued my interest. I've got some places here that may. Get you pretty excited about doing some traveling here. Um, okay. I was looking around, and I found some information from one of the most well-respected top news sites in the world. Mm. MyDatingAdvisor.com. Da- my Sweet. I mean, that's... <laughs> right? I think we all know. It's a very informative, news-friendly site. And <laughs> they listed the top... 100 skinny dipping sites in the world. Mm. Yes. Yes. Hmm. Yes, that's right, Mike. If you uh, if you've been asking yourself where are the best places to put your cards on the table, and by cards I mean <laughs> and by table I mean beach, <laughs> this website has made a list. So true. Now. Okay. Obviously, I know what you're saying. You're like, "Well, since it's my dating advisor.com, I'm guessing they did this on a very technical score. They did, Mike. There's a score. Okay. We have scoring criteria, and the score is derived from four separate uh, scoring criteria. First, the quality of the beach. Second, mm. the weather raking. Three, the safety ranking. And four, the hotel cost. Hmm. Now, apparently, attractiveness of folks on the beach was not a criteria, which Hmm. sort of surprised me. I mean, you're telling me that's not going to factor in? If you walk on the beach and it looks like a Walmart parking lot full of people, you're not going to be like, Ew! Maybe I don't want to be here. Nope. But apparently, they didn't care. That wasn't on the list. We're we're going quality beach, weather ranking, safety ranking, hotel calls. That's what they ranked it on. Now, Hmm. let me first ask you, Mike. How many spots do you think in the U.S. of A. are on this list? Hmm. Out of all the world skinny dipping spots, how many do you think, out of 100 places, you think the U.S. of A. has? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know why I have this number in my head, but three. Add a one in front, and you got it. 13. 13, 13. spots. <laughs> Which, I mean, you know... I, get, I, I thought about it. I was like, that's sort of reasonable. Because honestly, we're sort of conservative when it comes to skinny dipping anyway. Yes! I feel like yeah. feel like there are a lot of places in the world that are, are far surpassing us on their nudity. And, uh, oh, yeah. 
you know, and 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 two, you know, we don't have the most tropical. I mean, you get outside of of California and Florida, it's a little rough. So you know, I'm yeah. just saying, cold water. Exactly. You don't want to be skinny dipping in that. No, thank you. Nope. Uh, and and I've got to say, this list became a little suspect to me. Uh, because when I was cruising through the list, there was a location on the list in Latvia. Word. Hmm. No offense to Latvia, but I don't see it as a take-your-clothes-off party on the beach type of place. It's just nope. not the first. Where's this place? Latvia in, in Europe? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Not really. I, still I mean, don't know where it is. <laughs> not really a beach place. I mean, Mike doesn't even know it's a place. Come on, how's it? <laughs> it's gonna be a nude beach place. But regardless, Mike, just go ahead and give a guess. Where do you think the number one nude beach in the world is, according to, of course, mydatingadvisor.com? Where do you think? Hmm. Am I guessing like a country? Yeah. Give it. Give us a country. Okay. What do you think? I'll say USA for some reason. I don't know why. USA number one. No. Skinny dipping. No. Yeah. We don't. We don't. We don't even get anywhere close to number one. Mm. We're not even in the top ten, Mike. Not even the top ten. Dang. Yeah. Wow. Number one place. Get ready, listeners. Lokrum Island in Croatia. Yeah. Yeah. Now. I, I gotta admit, Mike, I'm not really uh, up on Croatia. Uh, I didn't really know too much about Croatia, but apparently, if you're in Europe, that's the place to hit up your holiday. So true. That's that's the deal, is Croatia. It's got over 3,900 miles of coastline. Yeah. Jeez. And apparently, wow. Croatia gets more sun than pretty much anywhere. It gets... 2,715 hours of sun a year. That comes out to an average of seven and a half hours per day, Mike. Wow. Per day, regardless wow. of, you know, the, the weather. Seven and a half average per day. Yeah. And and uh, here's a random fact about Croatia that uh, has nothing to do with skinny dipping. Apparently, there's not a single Starbucks in Croatia. What? They like local wow. coffee. They're, yeah. They're, they're local coffee people, apparently. So, there you go. Hmm. There you go. Uh, last but not least, Mike, it's uh, apparently Locrum Island. I looked it up. I couldn't find anything about people getting naked there. So, apparently, it's just like, I guess, like an expected thing. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. But but it's number one. If any listeners wow. out there like, where should I go get naked this year? Apparently, Locrum Island in Croatia. That's right. That's it. That's it. Now... Uh, okay. If you're interested in the top 10, Mike, let me give you the top 10. So, Croatia, Locrum Island, number one. Italy, Spiaga, Dea Lesiona, uh, two. Uh, Australia, Maslin Beach, three. Australia, Wangubla Creek, four. Uh, Italy, Marina di Camerato, five. Uh, Germany, English Garden. There's a place called English Garden, apparently, the six. Uh, Portugal, Beretta Island. That's seven. Portugal, Praia de uh, Bella Vista is eight. Greece, Rea Beach is nine. Greece, Placius Beach is ten. There you go. That's hmm. that's the top ten. I'm not, an, nice. I'm not an expert, Mike, but it seems like if you're planning on getting naked on the beach, 
You need to go to the Mediterranean. So true. You need to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've got eight out of ten uh, if you're counting the the Portugal places, which really it's on the outside, but eight out of ten that you're in that region, man. So that's it. Now, number one location that I'm interested in in America, number fifty-four on the list. Hmm. Number fifty-four. Fifty-four. <laughs> it's in Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. Apparently, it's the only nude beach in all of Texas. Yeah. And it's called <laughs> Hippie Hollow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hippie Hollow. And let's be honest, Mike. There's definitely some weird crap that goes down at Hippie Hollow. That's... Uh, oh, yeah. That sounds kooky right there. I mean, <laughs> how many times do you think Willie Nelson has got his Willie out at Hippie Hollow? I'm betting. Wait, what? It's a good number of times. I'm betting six, six, six or seven, six <laughs> or seven. Mike's calling it right now. Yes. Okay. Now that we know where to get naked around the world, are you ready to fire the show up, Mike? Mm, yes, sir. Five. All three engines up and burning. Two, one. Zero and lift off. Oh gosh, I can't wait to visit all of these places. Oh man, so many places to get naked, Mike. So true. Uh, we have <laughs> a fantastic show, though. We have the guitarist and singer of a great band, Mipso, on the show today, Joseph Terrell. We're going to talk uh, North Carolina. That's where they're from. They went to UNC. Uh, they're they're a UNC band. They just sort of grew out of Chapel Hill, Mike. Pretty hmm. cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever been to Chapel Hill? No, I don't think so. It's very academic. You feel you okay. feel very collegial on their campus. Like you immediately feel like you should have a handful of textbooks and a sweater around your neck. Like that's how you feel when you're on the campus. But they felt like they needed to rock out, and we're going to talk about them rocking out there and around the world. We're going to talk about them recording new album. We're going to talk about uh, Joseph's love of trees. That's going to come up. Trees. Yeah. What kind of trees? All kinds of trees. Warm. North Carolina trees. Uh, right now, they're in uh, California. Yeah, he's sitting under a redwood right now. So there you go. Hmm. Yeah. That's nice. But first, we need to start where we start. Birthday suit. Birthday suit. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good call, Mike. Good call. Um, <laughs> we are... I'm confident on this first one. Okay. This first one, I, I'm like... This is 99.9 right here. Okay. Okay. Born on September 29, 1988 in Washington, D.C. Our birthday suit wear loved basketball growing up. In middle school, his favorite team became the Toronto Raptors, with his favorite player being Vince Carter. He ended up going to the University of Texas... In the first year with the Longhorns, he averaged 25.8 points a game, 11.1 rebounds, and 1.3 assists per game. Jeez. He won the John R. Wooden Award and the Naismith College Player of the Year Award. It made him the first freshman in history to win any of the Player of the Year awards. He declared for the NBA draft the next year, being selected number two overall in the 2000 draft by the Seattle Supersonics. He stayed with the franchise when they uh, changed to the Oklahoma City Thunder and stayed with them until 2016 when he went to the Golden State Warriors. 
Then in 2019, he was traded to the Brooklyn Nets. Since being in the league, he has won Rookie of the Year, MVP. He's an 11-time All-Star and a 9-time All-NBA player, a 4-time scoring champion, and he's part of the 50-40-90 club. He's a 2-time NBA champion and a Finals MVP winner and a 3-time gold medalist. Name that birthday suit wearer. KD. KD is correct. The Slim Reaper. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's for a my second, fa- I, For a second, I thought it was going to be Chris Bosch. I was thinking Chris Bosch for a second. Too young for too young for Bosch. True. Too young for Bosch. I think Bosch was in that 2003 uh, um, class. 2003 uh, draft class. Yeah. Hmm. So he's... He's a bit older, and he's also been retired for a bit. But Kevin Durant, man, Kevin Durant, my favorite as uh, Virgin Bat from the show is well aware of, my favorite nickname, Slim Reaper. Uh, Slim apparently, Reaper. <laughs> apparently, he didn't like that nickname, and I was like, that's an awesome nickname. That would I would embrace that nickname. You are the cold hand of death in a game. You are the Slim Reaper. You're ice cold, man. Come yeah. on. Yeah, like why why wouldn't you want that nickname? Like what do you want? KD? That's not the a slim nickname. The slim yeah. part. The slim. Yeah. He doesn't like the slim. Yeah, well, I mean, who cares? Reaper. Yeah. That's cool. Exactly. I'm just saying. It's a cool name. He's turning he's turning 33. Scotty Pippen year for Kevin nice. Durant there. Yeah. I was just talking just yesterday to a uh to a, to a fan of basketball and I was telling him how amazing it was that KD just came back so triumphantly from that Achilles. So true. You know? Seriously. I mean, yeah, nobody talks about how the insane that is, but that used to be back in the day. I mean, Grant Hill, Charles Barkley, all of these players ruptured their Achilles. They're done. You're not coming yeah. back from that. And this dude, being 32 years old, just comes back and just starts dominating again. It's crazy. It's yeah, it's pretty wild. You know? I guess it, you, 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 I, w- I would think some of that is due to his slimness. That's a fact. He has a slimness to think <laughs> to, for that. I mean, he doesn't have nearly as much weight to carry as some folks. Much easier yeah. to carry it on that. You know. Anyways, turning 33, one of the obviously favorites there to win the championship with the Nets. Happy birthday, KD. There we go. There we go. Uh, Mike, you ready to rip some headlines? Yeah, let's hear it. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Okay. Mike, you looking for some good news right now? Hmm. I, uh, yeah. I definitely am. I would love some good news. This might take you up to a nine and a half from your nine. (laughs) Okay. Since the beginning of the global pandemic, the country, Turkmenistan, has claimed zero COVID-19 related deaths. Say what? What? Yeah. Yeah. Now, now the downside of that news, Mike, is that it's not true. That's that's the downside. Yeah. Yeah, they're falsely yeah, it was reporting. Yeah, suspicious. They're they're falsely reporting their their data. According according to the <laughs> World Health Organization, there are 5 countries that haven't reported any COVID cases. 
Three of those are really isolated islands in the Pacific where nobody can get to, so that's why they don't have any cases. Uh, reporting. <laughs> well, they 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 just they honestly don't have any. Those three countries, yeah. they just they don't have any. But then the other ones besides those uh, island countries are Turkmenistan and North Korea. Hmm. Suspicious. And I got yeah, exactly. I gotta say, Mike, it's not good when you're the lone country with North Korea. Nope. Like, that's like being a state stuck with Mississippi on a public health rating. It's not. <laughs> it's not a good. I'm sorry, Mississippi listeners, but let's fake face facts. You're pretty unhealthy. Let's just. Mm-hmm. I know we've got some listeners in Oxford. I'm sorry, guys. Your state's not that healthy. Let's just face facts. It's just. In a country that's not healthy, you guys are even less healthy. So true. That's, that's a downer. And Turkmenistan apparently is just telling everybody, nope. No, we don't have any COVID. Nope. Not COVID here. Nope. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Uh, apparently, Turkmenistan's president, I'm not going to try to say his name because I will really, really butcher it. Uh, their their president is downplay. He's trying to apparently maintain his public image. That's mm. why he's doing this. Like, and it amazes me. This president actually thinks like, does he actually think people will believe him? That people out there could possibly believe that a country right beside Iran, the country right beside Iran that's had over six million cases of COVID, that they just all completely missed out in Turkmenistan. <laughs> That nothing traveled <laughs> over the border, and amazingly, there are people like, who's going to believe that? Like, come on. <laughs> come on, President of Turkmenistan. I'm just saying. It's ridiculous. Girl, come on! Anywho, Mike, uh, speaking of COVID, have you heard uh, about the bus driver shortage? Hmm. No. Bus driver sur- shortage. Yeah. What, like a school bus or just yeah. like public city? No, 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 Public no. Bus? School bus. School ah. bus. Yeah. Ugh. It's a pretty big issue for a lot of states. Like uh, Massachusetts actually brought in the uh, uh, the the National Guard. They actually mm. had they had reserve army uh, ar- army uh, individuals driving the buses. So, wow. Yeah. Army soldiers just driving the buses because nobody else would do it. And uh, they're facing this in a couple of states, including Colorado. Hmm. Yeah, and in Summit County, they're they're pretty low in uh, on bus drivers. Summit County in Colorado, so they've had to double up bus routes. And uh, Jason Smith, who is a parent in Summit County, was worried about his son Josh Smith uh, about getting a spot on one of these crowded buses. Uh. Um, yeah, exactly. But that's when his son Josh came up with a plan. His son Josh said, hey, instead of riding the bus to school, how about I kayak to school? Oh. Hmm. And apparently, as the article says, the Smiths live in Silverthorne. And they said in the story that the fastest route from their house to Summit Middle School is right across the reservoir. Word. So that's why Josh said, why not kayak? And uh, Jason, the dad, said, quote, the easy answer would have been to say, no, let me just drive you to school if you can't get on the bus. You know, no problem. Mm -hmm. But 
I have a 12-year-old who wants to be adventurous, wants mm -hmm. to do something none of his buddies would do. How can I say no to that? End quote. <laughs> Jason, let, let me help you with how you say no to that. It's like this. No. I'm going to drive you to school like a normal parent. There you yeah. go. That's... That's how you do it. That's how you do it, Jason. I'm not a parent, but that's that's how you do it. Um, and I gotta say, I I don't know where the Smiths exactly live in Silverthorne, but I did a little digging, Mike. It's it's on the same side of the reservoir as the school. Hmm. Silverthorne is on the same side, meaning hmm. it would be the exact same distance. Or less if you drove to the school instead of kayaked. Like mm. you're literally getting in the, the, the reservoir and just riding along the coast to the school. It didn't make any sense as far as, oh yeah, I've got to let him do something adventurous. And, and, and second, wouldn't you feel pretty dumb if your kid died in the middle of the reservoir? Like, yeah, that would suck. Your whole My Kids Being Adventurous line probably looked pretty dumb. Not like, good. It would not be uh, good. Well, I mean, on the downside, he died, but I did let him do something adventurous. Sweet. Huh? Pretty Went good. Out doing what he loved uh, on the way to school. <laughs> 12 years old. He made it a long time. Long time. Uh, Mike, let's <laughs> move on to something with lakes. Uh, let's move on to a famous lake. Could or you imagine I... if, like, could you imagine him carrying his kayak to class, <laughs> or if, like ties it that's... up to the bus, to the bike, bike link, or whatever? Yeah, that's what link. he. That's what he said. <laughs> he said he got to the other side, and he's like, "I was a little bit late for class, but I carried my kayak up to the school." And I'm just like, "I got to be honest, too. I mean, if I was a 12 year old in that class, I'm going to make fun of him a little bit." I mean, like, <laughs> that's a fact. This guy with his kayak. Ride the bus like a normal person, you weirdo. Good Lord. <laughs> Hop on there. Anyways, uh, Mike, let's talk about a famous lake, or should I say lock, in Ooh. Scotland. Loch Ness. Um, yeah, exactly. I love exactly. this. I'm excited. Well, good news. Get even more excited, Mike, because the monster has been caught on camera. 10 That's out right. of 10. I'm there 10 out of 10 now. Yes. <laughs> yes. And in case you're wondering, Mike, of course, it's blurry footage that you can't yes. identify anything. Of course. <laughs> it's 2021, and it was on a 4K drone camera, and it's still blurry as <laughs> Of course. Of course. Uh, so funny. So uh, Richard Maver. Richard Maver was taking some sweet drone footage of the uh, Great Glen Canoe Challenge. I think we all know about the Great Glen Canoe Challenge. So true. Uh, that apparently happens in Loch Ness. And he was taking it for his YouTube channel, Richard Outdoors. Just in case you're wondering, Richard's not doing so bad on subscribers. He's got 8,000 subscribers to Richard's nice. Outdoors. Yeah, not bad. Now the video that supposedly has the Loch Ness monster, it's been it's uh it's already racked up 120,000 views. That's right. That's right. Uh, the next most viewed on his videos is the Woodland Wild Camp cooking video. <laughs> no, it's a uh, little bit of, but like the interesting thing is uh, Richard said he didn't even know noticed that it was in there the 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 people that were looking at the video started pointing it out and were like holy shit. 
monster in your video. Watch out. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I I, um, I don't want to be a negative Nancy here, Mike, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say uh, that at this point, like, if they haven't actually found the monster, like, if they yeah. haven't actually, like, physically picked up a monster and taken it out of the, the lake, I don't, th I don't think there is one. I mean, I just... It's not that big of a lake. It's not... Yeah. There's no... Either that or the monster is going to be the first animal they identify that has the power of invisibility. Like, hmm. one of those two things. It could be, you know, like a X-Men mutation that this mm -hmm. animal can just press the invisible button. That's it's basically the only case. But, just saying. If you want to check yeah. it out... Go to Richard's Outdoors videos. You can you can judge for yourself. You can judge for yourself whether or not it's uh, it's truly Loch Ness there. I did. Um, I think I did see the picture, and it looks like I saw the picture. I didn't see the video. I didn't know there was a video, but it just looks like it's a part of the like wave that hits yeah. the shore. Yeah, like I, the I honestly think it's you know it's a it's a reflective illusion from yeah. the sun and the angle like i think because like there's no way like it just appears out of nowhere in like four foot of water on the on the shallow end and like nobody yeah. else that's on the beach would notice i'm like you're telling me nobody would notice the submarine that's coming up out of the water 30 feet away like oh as it's gonna eat it like that's ridiculous anyways uh Mike, this New Jersey headline, this reeled me in. Uh, this was it just just because of the the logical process I followed after reading the story. So the headline is quote attempted child luring in Missouri, Morris County was a case of mistaken identity. The school district says. Hmm. Hmm. So. Yeah, so last week on Friday, the school district put out a Facebook post at 8.05 a.m. about a possible child luring occurring at Mount Olive School. So somebody trying to lure a kid out of the school, you know, for abduction, you'd say. Right. Yeah. And then a little over two hours later, they posted again, apparently, saying that the investigation found that the case was merely a case of mistaken identity. Mm. <laughs> huh? But the incident will be used as a learning lesson to reinforce proper safety procedures among the students. Like, now that that's all that was given in the story, though, Mike. Like, mm. they didn't follow up on any of, like... And it just made me think, like, someone actually picked up a kid, that means... And didn't know what the kid they were picking up looked like. They couldn't pick them out of a lineup. Which really makes me hope it was an actual parent that was the person that couldn't choose their own child. Jeff, get over here. That's not Jeff. I'm not Jeff. Yeah, it is. Get in the car, Jeff. Totally, totally you. Like, mom comes home from work. Hey, who's the kid in the front yard? <laughs> Honey, that's our, that's our kid. No, it's not. Oh, <laughs> the wrong kid again. I swear they look all the same to me. I'm sorry. I like 
It's ridiculous. I guess I, I think I had like in my mind when you were describing the story, some some guys like offering kids candy. He's like, "Hey, kid, you want some candy?" And he's like, "You're not Matt. <laughs> <laughs> You're not my usual candy dealer. Is this the wrong person?" Oh, that's so uh, funny. Anyways, it's a mistake. I like that's the thing is like follow up on it. Like why why don't I get more information about why why this person had a case of mistaken identity? I don't know. Hmm. Anyways, um, New Jersey. Mike, you're in a state that has legal recreational marijuana. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we've discussed we've discussed the marijuana off air. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I've got some I've got some news mm. for any of you, your friends, or you, if you're planning on becoming an FBI agent. Okay. Yeah. Apparently the well, FBI. Not. You're not. Okay. Well, <laughs> not, uh, find out if any of your friends are planning the drug on. test. <laughs> well, that's the thing. They have oh. changed their regulations. Oh. Yes. Yes. So if you're planning on being an FBI agent, they have they have decided you'll have had to use marijuana less than 24 times after turning 18. Word. Ah. Well. (laughs) Seriously though, that's the rule, Mike. 24 times. And they they didn't explain how twenty four times was became the rule. Like they just decided that's the number of times. And like I love how and and I love how they put before or after you were eighteen. Like so apparently like why doesn't it include before you were eighteen? Apparently if you're a juvenile weed smoker, that's completely fine. Smoke, smoke a thousand times before you turn eighteen. But after you turn eighteen, by God, you've got to smoke less than twenty-four times, or <laughs> we're not letting you become an agent. Like that, just so weird. How do they test for twenty-four exactly? Yeah, they can't. There's no way they can. Which means <laughs> it's like a, that. it's a code of honor sort of deal. And I got to be honest. If the FBI finds a dude that comes in interviewing for the job and he can tell you that he smoked exactly 23 times, I'm not hiring that dude. Nope. Because that dude's weird. That's Like, that dude's really effing weird if he's like, oh, how many times? Well, let me write down each in exact time that I've smoked marijuana. (laughs) And good news, we're under 24. We're at 23. Like, what? That's no. That's FBI. Get rid of that rule. That's a dumb rule. That's a very, yeah, very sad. dumb rule. Uh, Mike, let's end. Let's end the segment with one more. We got one more sort of a drug update here. One drug <laughs> okay. update. Cool. So uh, there was a really big drug bust in California this past week in Riverside County. Hmm. Cops discovered. Uh, 21 kilograms of carfentanil. Hmm. Now, do you know what carfentanil is? No, and I don't know what 21 kilograms would look like of that either. <laughs> well, it looks the couple of bricks. They they oh, they showed the, okay. the hall, a couple of bricks. Uh now since you're not familiar with carfentanil, it's an extremely, extremely 
extremely, that's three extremely, powerful opioids. It is Mm. super powerful. It's apparently 10,000 times more powerful than morphine and 100 times more powerful than fentanyl. What? Wow. Okay. Because I thought yeah. it, I thought it was going to be fentanyl. I, I thought that was just the no. proper name for fentanyl. No. No. Oh, wow. Officials claim that the carfentanyl that they seized would be enough to kill roughly 50 million people. What? Are you serious? 21 kilograms, 50 million people. Mike, I did the math on that. That means it takes roughly 420 micrograms of carfentanil to kill you. Is that like airborne? Could they have like died from just discovering it? Well, if it was actually, uh, I think it was sealed pretty hard. The packages okay. were sealed pretty yeah, hard. Yeah, I guess but that like, makes sense. I mean, call me unprepared, Mike, but I don't think I have any measuring devices in my house that would properly weigh out 420 micrograms. Nope. Like, if I'm a drug addict, I, I, I think this is an unsafe substance for me. I don't want to. I don't want to jump to conclusions, but four. Like, how do you even do that? Like, four hundred and twenty wow. micrograms. It's crazy. Four hundred and twenty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a. It, I mean, it's odd. I mean, funny. exactly. I didn't. I didn't even. That was. That's pure math, there, Mike. That was no. That coincidence purely, but pure math. I trust right? your math. I trust your math. It's, uh, I'm not bad at, uh, at uh, your normal sort of, your, your normal, uh, just mathematics. Um, but like, I mean, it's just crazy. Like apparently the only thing that they used it for when carfentanil first got cleared was to, uh, put elephants under. That was the only thing was to basically knock elephants out. Hmm. Uh, and I'm guessing for an elephant, you're still going to only need like, I don't know. 69 kilograms or something. (laughs) One milligram. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's crazy. Crazy. Watch out for carfentanil out there, folks. Yeah. It's don't want to, I don't want to get messed up with that nonsense. No, thank you. No, thank you. Anyways, we're going to take a break. We are going to hear from our guest right now. This is none other than Mipso right here on the Doc G Show.
it's raining in the morning Hold out for a sunny afternoon When it's raining in the morning Hold out for a sunny afternoon Another day's coming soon Here on the Doc G Show, you just heard Caroline by Mipso right here on the Doc G Show. That's right. Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Listeners, Hmm. remember, make sure you download the podcast. You subscribe to the podcast. You give us a like. You give us a comment. You make my day. Word. I was actually talking to a friend. This was unsolicited, Mike. I was talking to a friend yesterday. And the friend here in Florida, I was talking with two friends, actually. If you can believe it, I, I do have two friends. <laughs> and I was ta- I believe it. talking to the two friends, and we were talking about another interview going on in an, on another show. And I was like, yeah, it was, it was a pretty good interview. It was, they were talking to him, and the other guy breaks up in, and he was like, by the way, Ben's a really good interview. Say what? He does a really good jo- job on the show. And I was like, what? It was unsolicited. It made my day, Mike. It made my day. I felt really good after nice. that. I was like, look at me. I actually was entertaining to someone. That's fantastic. <laughs> that, is, that is good news, gang. So... That's how good you'll make me feel if you comment or like or subscribe to the show. I'm just saying, guys. Just do that good deed for me. Give give me all the feel goods inside. Make it happen. Anyways, anyways, Mike, we gotta uh, thank the folks that are listening. 
So let's get the regulars here. Shout out. Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Gainesville, Florida, Radford, Virginia, Dublin, Ireland, Katy, Texas, Ashburn, Virginia, Barcelona, Spain, Jittawa, Italy, San Diego, California, Citrus Heights, California, Peoria, Illinois, Richardson, Texas, Oxford, Mississippi, Winfield, West Virginia, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, Noka, Minnesota, Columbus, Georgia. Shout out. There we go. There we go. And uh, we probably should note, Mike, since I made that comment about Mississippi, the Oxford, Mississippi people probably have stopped listening. Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> Oxford, Mississippi. We still love you. I love Mississippi. It's an enjoyable place. You're just unhealthy. It's a great spot. Yeah. 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 You're just unhealthy. I mean, and don't get me wrong. I love your gravy. And I love everything fried in your state. It's just unhealthy. It's just... And... You're the birthplace of Elvis Presley. So, come on now. Mm. Come on now. Anyways, uh, semi-regulars. Here we go. Semi-regulars. Shout out to Brooklyn, New York. Athens, Georgia. St. Louis, Missouri. Queens, New York. Inniskillen, England. Hillsborough, Tennessee. Cleveland, Ohio. Frankfurt, Germany. El Paso, Texas. Syracuse, New York. Stonewall, Louisiana. Glasgow, Scotland. Vancouver, Canada. San Juan, Philippines. And Cape Town, Africa. Shout out. There we go. Mm. Yeah. Cape Town. Yeah, had a little bit of international flair there. I mean, we had the Philippines. Cool. We had the Cape Town, South Africa. Little, uh, little UK action with Scotland and England. Frankfurt, Germany. They're almost regulars. Frankfurt almost listens every week. Shout out to Frankfurt specifically. There Shout you go. Out. Uh, anyways, thank you all, one and all, who listen to the show. We definitely appreciate it. Um, make sure you go see Mike next time he does stand up. He'd appreciate that too. Do that. Yes, that'd be great. Do that as well. Um, thank you. Mike, we're going to do something we haven't done since you've been on the show. I'm excited about it. It's one of my favorite segments. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this past Monday, the Eagles played Dallas in, in football, Mike, in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And that was yes. in Dallas. And they have the tendency when they're in Dallas throughout the whole game to, to brag about AT&T Stadium, you know? Word. Jerry's World, as they like to call it. You know, uh, that's the stadium. Jerry Jones's stadium. And they always like to talk about how impressive the giant TV screen is and how many other amenities they have. And I thought, you know what? I bet there are some people that don't like that stadium. That's a fact. I bet there are some people that would give that stadium one out of five stars. So true. So I decided to dust off one of my favorite segments, something we do called Why Would You Review That? Why would you review that? Did somebody tell him this is a really bad idea for a segment? They did, and he didn't care. <sighs> All right, it's time for Why Would You Review That? Yes. <laughs> yes. Mike, in this segment, we go to Google Reviews, and I read out ridiculous, well-crafted, one-star reviews that most likely have only ever been read by us. But we read them out to give them their due on this segment. So true. Very exciting. Very exciting. So, AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. It was built in 2009. Has a pretty sweet rating on Google. What do you think? Out of five stars, what do you think the average is? 
Oh, I would go five out of five stars. You're close. 4.7. 4.7. 7. Yeah. Yeah. 27,860 reviews. Jeez. 20, 27,860 people said, you know what? I'm going to take my own time, waste time, putting down a review for this stadium that most likely <laughs> no one's going to review. Well, good news, listeners. We're looking at them. We're looking at them. So, uh, of course, Mike, the listeners are well aware. The regular listeners know we only look at the one stars. Those are the only mm -hmm. ones we look at. And I'm going to start here with <laughs> Michelle Saranovich. Michelle Saranovich, she's coming in with a real fresh take, Mike. Here it is. Quote, <laughs> the concessions at the AT&T Stadium are the worst ever, exclamation point. It's all fat-laden, fried, zero taste, half-frozen, way overpriced. The staff cannot get the order straight, and they take forever. The lines are backed <laughs> up, and it takes a half an hour to get anything. Really, one of my worst experiences ever at a football wow. game. There is no reason at these prices that the food choices should be this bad. End quote. There you go. There you go. Why am I imagining a lot of capital words? No, oh, there were capital <laughs> words, Mike. There were. <laughs> and Michelle, I hate to tell you, you just described every stadium in the history of any stadiums in the world. That's a fact. That's true. True, true, true. Come on. Come on. <laughs> what are you talking about? Of course, it's concession foods. You're not getting a vegetable platter and fruit. <laughs> Of course it's going to be fat and fried and half frozen. And of course it's going to cost $30. It's the Cowboys. It's America's team. Good Lord. Mm -hmm. Okay. Daniel Klinger. Daniel Klinger. Here's his take. Quote, We learned more about my tour guide's family than we did about the AT&T Stadium and the Cowboys. I'm also aware that the stadium is clean. We were told that a hundred times. The worst stadium tour I have ever been on. <laughs> Take the self-guided tour instead. End quote. There you go. There you go. Hmm. Apparently, Daniel went on the tour. That's a fact. Now, Mike, Dan posted this review about two months ago. So, so Dan, just as a guess... We're still in a pandemic. So I'm guessing they wanted to emphasize the clean so people would think they were safe in a stadium. Just going to mm. go out on a limb. That's probably why they told Good you point. that a hundred times. Uh, but, but apparently Dan doesn't care. Apparently Dan's more concerned about the important historical and architectural facts of a dumb <laughs> that was built 10 years ago. He's really concerned. What? Stop telling me about the cleanliness and tell me <laughs> about these beautiful windows. What's going on with these things? Good lord! Sorry, Dan. He's taking a he's taking self guided tour apparently. Uh, That's right. Okay, here we go. Alan Alan Spurlock. Alan Spurlock quote five stars for the event in parentheses the event Mike Nerf War Nerf what? War. <laughs> <laughs> One star for the actual place, 
20 bucks for two drinks and no refills? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> Exclamation point. <laughs> what is it now? Eight cents per ounce retail cost? Question mark. Also, the lights turned off for 10 minutes before the event was over. Good thing I hate the cowboys. In quotation. What? There you go. There you go. Uh, first off, like, let's pause and agree Whatever the Nerf War is that Alan was going to, that sounds like a pretty awesome event. Yeah, it I, sounds great. I don't know what it is. I don't know what they do at a Nerf War, but I want in. Yes! That sounds... I mean, do you get to just come with your Nerf guns and fight people? Because that's awesome. Yeah. If that's the yeah, case... Yeah, sounds great. I've literally got a, a fully automatic Nerf gun in my closet <laughs> as we speak. And I'm not afraid to say it on Instagram Live, Mike. I will say it on Instagram <laughs> Live. I don't care who hears it. If you're listening, special agents, Nerf War Automatic. That's what I got. Um, also, Mike, I did the math. Again, sort of like the car fentanyl. I did the math. Eight cents per ounce would mean that each of his drinks he purchased would be 125 ounce drinks. Essentially a gallon each. <laughs> Alan, I think your math is off. Do, do some math, Alan. I would say it's more like 16 cents or 20 cents an ounce. So really, you're getting screwed more than you thought. Learn math, Alan. <laughs> Go back, do some arithmetic. Uh, okay. Eric Aframson. Eric, uh, Eric Aframson. Quote, worst stadium ever. Worst. Really, one of the biggest wastes of time and money on the planet. Architecture Ooh. is horrendous and cheaply done at an overpriced cost. Experience <laughs> there is amateur and clown-like at best. It's an embarrassment to all architecture everywhere <laughs> and certainly a huge eyesore on the earth. End quote. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, Mike, Eric needs to meet up with Daniel, and these two need to talk architecture. Like, <laughs> they need to take a trip to ancient Rome. Talk, talk architectural styles of antiquity mm -hmm. there. Man, man. Uh, okay, here we go. Jason <laughs> Brinegar. Jason Brinegar says, quote, The place is awesome, period. Hmm. Those that work there, dot, 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 not <laughs> so much, end quote. There you go. That's Jason's... That's it. One star review. Place is awesome. Those that work there. Dot dot Come dot. On. Not That's so not much. Fair. Exactly. That's, that should be a three star. Exactly. Exactly. Come on. You're gonna need to give us more information to validate a one star. Like you can't really just say not so much. Dot dot dot, and then give them one star. Like you need to give us a story <laughs> about how one of the staff stabbed you in a <laughs> validate a one star rating. Like. Come on. One star, not so much. <laughs> no, no. Okay, last one. William Ruiz. William, William Ruiz, quote, not designed for concert acoustics. Too many hard surfaces designed to amplify crowd noise during sporting events. End quote. Huh. Yeah. Got a technician. Yeah. Yeah. And I hate to tell you, William... It was built for sporting events. Its original name was Cowboy Stadium, not Concerts <laughs> for William Stadium. Nope. So, 
I hate to tell you, sporting events take precedent. It's just the way it is. It's just, I'm sorry, William. I'm sorry. There you have it, Mike. AT&T Stadium in a nutshell of one-star reviews. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Okay. I saw on the earth, worst stadium in the world. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I saw uh, horrible, horrible uh, um, uh, vendors and uh, yeah. refreshments. Also, yeah. Price per ounce is way too high. Also... <laughs> Reserve your tickets for the next Nerf War. Do it. Mm. Make sure you get there for the next Nerf War. Uh, okay, Mike, what do you want to do? Do you want to do current musician or old school musician for the birthday suit? Old school musician. Okay. Okay, here we go. Born on September 29th, 1935 in Faraday, Louisiana. Our birthday suit wearer loved the piano. Ended up playing all the time when he was growing up with his cousins. His mother enrolled him at Southwest Bible Institute in Waxahachie, Texas. She wanted him to only sing religious songs. But later that year, he played the song My God is Real, but in a boogie-woogie style and got mm. thrown out of the school. In 1956, he went to Sun Records and started recording. While on Sun Records, he released some of his most popular solo songs that he would be best known for for the rest of his career, such as Whole Lot of Shaking Going On, Big Maybell, and Great Balls of Fire. Say what? His career took a huge hit when at age 22, he decided to marry Myra Gale Brown. Hmm... The reason his, uh, his career took a huge hit was because Myra, Myra Gay Brown was his cousin and was 13 what? years old. What? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't That's until the late 60s that he made a comeback, but he made a comeback in his career as a country singer, of course. From 1968 to 1977, he had 17 top 10 hits, such as Since I Met You, Baby, One Has My Name, and Sometimes a Memory Ain't Enough. He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the first year of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which was 1986. He's considered one of the best piano players in rock music history. Name that birthday suit wearer. Hmm. Oh, I have no idea. Totally guessing here. Um, Lionel Richie? Or <laughs> no. Oh, <laughs> no. Don't insult so Lionel bad. Richie like that. No, yeah, I'm so, I'm so sorry. At I'm least so sorry. for the cousin of part of it, not for the music. Yeah. Jerry Lee Lewis. Jerry, Jerry Lee, Lee Lewis. Lewis. Yeah. Yes, one of the first rock and rollers. He uh, He's one of the guys that came in on Sun Records with uh, Elvis and Johnny Cash there at Sun Records. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, you know, goodness gracious, great balls of fire. Yeah, that jam. Yeah, that jam. Uh, he is well known. Like I said, he's one of the best, uh, best to ever do it on the piano. But the the Mary and the cousin, that really, hmm. really, even in the fifties, that was a hard pill to swallow for folks. That was people yeah. were like, really, thirteen, really, your thirteen year old cousin. He's like, yeah, totally. And he tried, this uh, This is how he tried to cover it up back then. He told the media that she was 15. Word. Oh. 
<laughs> he's like, ah, it's not weird. She's 15. How old was he at the time? I want to say 22. Yeah, he's 22. Hmm. So he was nine years older than her. I mean, he wasn't like super old, but still, she was 13. Yeah. And his cousin. Ew. His cousin. And I mean, you yeah, know. That's weird. It's one of those things that time sort of just sort of you gloss over. Because like, I mean, you know, by 1986, they're like, yeah, get on in there in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like, nobody talks about it now. Nobody really, like, he actually, well, and he did eventually a divorcer, but I mean, you know, it took like literally like 15 years or something like that. But, um, yeah, he, uh, he just recently, uh, last year was his 86th birthday and on his, uh, on his 86th birth or 85th birthday, sorry, on his 85th birthday, since it was during COVID, they had a zoom party for him. And uh, hmm. John Stamos hosted the Zoom party. Wait, what? What? Yeah. That's so random. Uncle Jesse was like, yes, I'll do it. Uh, apparently, uh, John Stamos, huge fan of like, you know, like old school rock and roll. Because like he also, if you go to Graceland, you know, Elvis's former home in Memphis, he yeah. narrates the self-guided tours. If you go to Graceland, it's Uncle Jesse telling you about Elvis. Ah. Yeah. That's a cool gig. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. He does yogurt commercials and Elvis tours. That's what Uncle Jesse's all about. Anyways, happy birthday to Jerry Lee Lewis turning 86. I'm glad you're not married to your cousin still. That's good. All right, Mike. We are going to take a break. We are going to be back with none other then Joseph Terrell of Mipso, right here on the Doc G Show. This Mucho Yellow And it's Rockin' Yellow And you're listening to Doc G Show From 803 to 904 The best show on the radio You dig? This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio WSKRLPFM UNF Jacksonville Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today we are very excited to have a fantastic songwriter and musician, Mr. Joseph Terrell of the fantastic group Mipso, on with us today. Joseph, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, Ben. How about you? I'm doing good. Yeah. I'm doing good. You guys are uh, are back on the road. You're you're hitting the West Coast, California, Arizona, New Mexico, ending up in Colorado. Uh, how exciting is it? How weird is it to be back on the road? It is a strange feeling. It is, in some ways, uh, a bit of a shock to the system to be back in, you know, clubs on the inside, mm -hmm. playing to crowds again. But on the other hand, we've done this like a thousand times. I think we're almost to the thousand number. Wow! And so it, it's like riding a bike. You know, we're 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 used to it, and I think we're glad to be back to it. And I'll say another thing is, 
I'm right now sitting underneath, no kidding, a redwood tree in Northern California. Oh. So I'm really excited about that part. Just getting to see the country and see the places we've loved that we've been missing for the last couple of years. For sure. That's one of my favorites, actually. Is uh, I mean, I, I don't think there's, and listeners know I've brought it up several times on the show, I don't think there's anything more awe-inspiring, at least to me, than sitting under one of those trees and being like, God, this thing is giant. It really is. If this doesn't inspire in you a really awesome respect for the nature that we're a part of, I don't know what would. Exactly. Well, I, I heard on this tour, I saw, well, I saw on Instagram, actually, uh, you guys had to, to cancel a recent show there in Sacramento. Was was that because the venue wasn't meeting your your band requirements as far as COVID? Um, it was a combination of things, and I don't want to, you know, point any angry fingers at anyone because yeah. if there's anything this whole COVID thing is, it's just it's complicated. And there's one thing we're seeing across the board is that there's a lot of uh, state regulations that don't allow for people to do certain kinds of precautions that mm -hmm. we feel like are kind of common sense these mm -hmm. days. And, and you know, we, we're all vaccinated and we... Um, it's in some ways to be honest we're, we're we're not really worried about our own personal safety mm -hmm. although a terrible thing would be providing a situation for anybody in the crowd to get sick and that would be something we don't want to let happen first yeah. and foremost i guess but beyond our own health you know uh we can't afford to cancel a tour and we've seen a lot of our friends who are in bands who you know somebody gets covid the first day of a tour and it's like well i gotta cancel the rest of it it's just the right thing to do you know so yeah. we'd hate to be in that position uh for lots of reasons one of which being <laughs> that would be really expensive. So yeah, that, yeah, that, it was a bummer to miss the Sacramento show, but it, it felt like the right thing to the right call to make at the time. For sure, to to be safe, better safe than sorry. For sure, I I'm with you. I've seen a bunch of our former uh, guests on the show have to cancel at least multiple uh, uh, shows um, because of a COVID positive test, either in the crew or the band. So uh, definitely makes sense. Yeah. But uh, let, let's take the listeners back. Uh, I've heard you say you you first learned guitar from your grandma, and when I'm when I'm imagining <laughs> your grandma, I'm imagining like a a mother Maybell type character. Am I super mm. far off with that image? Or I mean, because I feel like well, it was fairly close in in uh, in geography. But is that is that sort of the idea? As far as how cool a southern name uh, she possessed, it was very close to Mother Maybell. Nice. My grandmother's name was El is she's she's ninety three and she's alive and kicking. Her name is Eldora. Nice. And it's true, it's true, it's all, it's very true that my first guitar lessons are from my grandma. But every time I say that story, particularly on stage, my mom kind of rolls her eyes because I also took you know years of guitar lessons from the local guy at the shop that my parents paid for. So gotcha. it had something to do with learning from a Mother Maybell figure in my life. And the first song I learned was a, a Doc Watson tune, uh, Tom Dooley. Nice. But also, you know, I hung out with uh, this six foot four tattooed guy named Tim Fogarty who <laughs> made me fall in love with jam bands and uh, garage rock. So that was really the godsend in my teenage years. When I think my grandmother probably couldn't have reached me with her musical taste, there was there was Tim, the guitar teacher. So yeah, but get credit to both. Well, that that's that's what I was about to say because it seemed like, or at least in the like you said, in the teenage years, you weren't really trying to get that old timer or bluegrass. So it was mainly, were you mainly into sort of the, the jam band scene? In the teen years, yeah. My first, I'll tell you, my first three concerts were, my first one was Fish. Mm. Uh, my second one was James Taylor, and my third was Bob Dylan. Mm. So, I mean, I'll stand by all three, actually. Wow. But yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, 
when I was a kid, I did a lot of like sitting on my dad's shoulders at bluegrass festivals mm -hmm. and watching the seldom scene or, you know, Sam Bush or whoever. Yeah. And then my grandmother loved folk music and was more like a, a more of a child of the folk revival, less so bluegrass. And, you know, it was like mamas and the papas and kind of hokey stuff like that. Yeah. Pete Seeger. Mm -hmm. um, but in my teen years, I wasn't all that uh, conscient or conscientious about what music I was listening to. I just turned on the radio. I remember my first CD was that I got for Christmas in like 2001 or, or 1999 was uh, Chumbawamba Tub Thumping. <laughs> if anyone yes. remembers that, Jim. Uh, who doesn't, yeah. man? And then, you, you get know, knocked down. Come on. I, yeah, exactly. That's That one, that too holds up. But yeah, I, so I was not like washed in the blood as they say yeah as far as like little bluegrass kids who go around and pick pick tunes at fiddle camps it was more like a there's a presence in my life all my life i have uncles who were banjo and dobro players and then my teen years i realized how uncool it was then mm -hmm. my later teen years i was like no it's actually great it kind of swerved back yeah it was it was it was brewing underneath it was there you just had to come back to it i got gotcha. you i got gotcha. maybe that's it yeah <laughs> well i mean that that's a hard I mean, especially, you know, I mean, uh, the, the Fish, James Taylor, Bob Dylan, that's a, that's a hard three to live up to as far as the first three <laughs> concerts. I feel like after that, you're sort of like, uh, man, these, these next concerts aren't really living up to that. I mean, you know, I remember one of yeah. my first concerts was Petey Pablo, the rapper from North Carolina. I don't know if you remember Petey. But Absolutely. He was one of my... Raise up, take your shirt off. Exactly. That was one of my... No offense to Petey, but, uh, you know, compared to Bob Dylan, his, his catalog doesn't really stand up. So, I mean, you know, I'm just saying. But, like, that's that's a good first three for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah. Well, you you ended up going to UNC, and uh, that's where that's where Mipso started. Now, being a Tar Heel all your life, just as far as living there, I heard you weren't that like keen on actually going to school there. Where 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 did you want to <laughs> go? Like originally, where was where was like where did you want to go and see the world that you were thinking? Well, it ties right into that that sort of the way that. Bluegrass and old time and traditional music played into my life. It's that mm -hmm. I was raised on it, took it for granted, and wanted to get as far away from it as possible mm -hmm. until I until I saw the wisdom and like really digging deep into the place that I was from, mm. um, both musically and that's true for for in North Carolina too. I mean, I had I felt like uh, I wanted to get out of the small town that I was from pretty hard. I had that that teenage uh, wanderlust and angst pretty hard. Yeah, and. I, you know, I think to me, what represented escape from that was, you know, going to the Northeast somewhere and going to an Ivy or something like mm. that um, and ended up uh, landing at, at UNC, which is a really great school. Oh, yeah. And a place that a place that is the home to a music scene that like really reared us and um, I think gave us so many examples of amazing musicians that make music that we love. And I don't think... We even if the four people that formed Mipso had met somewhere else, it's hard to imagine us forming the band and doing what we did without being in that environment of yeah. Chapel Hill. Yeah, yeah. I well, I was gonna actually ask that a little bit later because I, I've heard that from you guys a lot, and I've also heard that from other uh, former guests. Sort of the area, the Chapel Hill, the Durham area. I mean, we've had some, we've had other musicians from the area. Uh, you know coming to mind his golden messenger would be one of the more recent ones that we yeah. had on the show 
and they all sort of say the same thing this great music scene what what makes it so great uh in the area is it the passion for music? What is it? Uh, I imagine there's passion for music everywhere. I wouldn't want to claim any special version <laughs> of that. But I think that it has to do with, I'd say two things. I think that it's, it's layers. Uh, there are generations of people who've been here and who've been making music here, especially if you're oriented towards any kinds of uh, traditional music. Um, a great buddy of mine who was sort of a mentor for me named Tommy Edwards, who was a awesome North Carolina guitar player uh, just passed away a couple months ago mm -hmm. and it was so cool to go to his funeral and and be in the presence of a lot of just like you know musicians both uh, you know 25 year olds who just made their first record and um, people Tommy's age in their 70s who have been you know making old time music or bluegrass for 50 years yeah and the other thing I'd say that and I've never you know I've spent a lot of time in major cities and other different bigger music scenes but so I maybe can't exactly compare because I never lived there. Yeah. But I'll say that North Carolina doesn't feel competitive. There's a sense of like, uh, you know, rising tide lifts all boats, so to speak. And just like people are stoked to collaborate. And man, I lived down the street from the Mandolin Orange folks, Andrew and Emily, for a long time. Yeah. Um, now Watch House. And also Robert Sledge, who was the bass player in Ben Folds 5. Yeah. And also Don Raleigh, who was the original bass player in the Squirrel Nut Zippers. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Sylvan Esso just made, uh, opened up their own little music studio. And it's a very, like, you know, welcoming policy for all types of musicians. It just feels like kind of friendly first and foremost. And I think that leads to a lot of good music. Nice. Nice. Well, now, obviously, uh, I got to go back to UNC there. They're also known <laughs> for basketball. And True. I think, I'm pretty sure you were there for a national championship, right? Uh, we, we were, in fact. Yeah. Well, okay, what happened right before we were there and right, right after we were there. But I was actually in Chapel Hill for the one right before I went there. Yeah. I took some time off school and just wandered around and <laughs> happened to find myself in Chapel Hill during the championship game. And nice. that was pretty cool. Nice, nice. I, I'm guessing. I'm guessing while you were a student, you did take in some, some Dean Dome action. I'm guessing. I did. You know, I, I went to the Dean Dome so many times growing up, and and uh, peed in those giant urinals <laughs> when I was a baby, and uh, I, I had a lot of residual, uh, you know, uh, love for that place. But I didn't do a whole lot of sports attending when I was in school. Okay. Although, no hate. It's just like you know, I was doing a little more, you know, bumming around with the guitar. I guess. Of course. But yeah, I love the, I love watching the basketball. That's that's probably the only the only um, sport that I really follow these days anymore. Is like Tar Heel basketball. Well, I'm I'm just gonna put a note in there, just maybe for like the sixth album. Think about it. i uh, listeners know <laughs> I'm a huge Michael Jordan fan. Huge. Maybe maybe since you guys formed at UNC, maybe an ode to Michael Jordan. Maybe just like, you know, maybe a note in there. Some some line well, about Michael Jordan. I would love Jordan. to. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The feeling is the roof. The, oh, yes. Famous line. We we play that every now and then. You know what? I'm gonna stick it in uh, this interview right it. now. The ceiling is the roof. Jordan! Jordan! <laughs> Uh, Hell yeah, heck yeah he's the greatest of all time and childhood hero still yeah yeah made really proud to be from michael jordan's home state for sure for did you watch did you watch the last dance oh yeah absolutely very nice very nice well um i, I also want to point out you you didn't go for music even though like you said you were spending a, a whole bunch of time with music you were major in religious studies uh what 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 did you see music as when you started going to school and how did like that change while you were in school 
because it obviously I think it yeah, did it, and it started changing a good deal. What what happened? Uh, it was an escape. It was for fun, mm-hmm. purely for fun. It was a place I could go and just sort of like tinker on my own with my thoughts outside of any sort of expectations. And I'm so glad that it was because I think the world I was in was very like competitive and academically oriented. And if I had tried to put music in that vein, I would have soured on it real quick. Mm. And I think that in college, you know, I don't know that time of life, whether or not you're in college, I was doing a lot of figuring out what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. But another part of that is figuring out what I don't want to do and what I don't want to be. Yeah. And I think I did a lot of work crossing things off the list. And honestly, when I was 19 or 20, it, was, it wasn't so much that music was rising on its own merits. It was that it was rising because everything else was getting knocked out of the, <laughs> of the running. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and in the meantime, we had this band that was totally for fun. Uh, I mean, we, I, just to, 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 give, to show our cards a little bit, we probably wouldn't have named ourselves Nipso if we didn't think the band was just for fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and but but the good thing about that is that we were learning a lot about performing and playing and, and harmonizing and getting so much better at our instruments. And by the time we graduated, we were like, "Wait a second, maybe we should try. Maybe we should try to do this." It, it, like I, I hope it doesn't make us sound like dummies to to not have really thought of that before. But uh, like I said, I'm really glad that it was I'm really glad that it wasn't our plan because uh, it wasn't uh, contaminated by a lot of the, you know. Uh, yeah. I don't know, c- competition or an- ambition that, that, that marks so much of the career stuff that people are getting into in college. Yeah, I, I think it, it potentially, like you said, it could have ruined a lot of it, honestly. I think a lot of times... I think so, yeah. I think uh, bands get sort of thrown off by putting too much pressure on themselves anyways. And, I mean, you know, the, the fun of it is a lot of the the creation, you know, is, is the creative side of it. And you take away some of that when you put all the pressure on yourselves. Do you remember the first gig that you, Jacob, and Wood played together as, like a, as a trio when you guys, like, oh, yeah. first real gig? Literally. Where was that? Uh, it was at a... Uh fraternity and sorority uh like charity benefit <laughs> sort of deal where nice. we had we just set up on this little stage outside no nice. uh, i think we have a recording of that show which if i have wow. anything to do with it will never be heard by the general <laughs> public but it's pretty funny that, that it exists now i now were you were you guys playing sort of old time inspired then or was that mainly like just covers pop covers and things like that yeah pretty much i like just to be totally honest it wasn't cool at all like i wish i could <laughs> say we were playing old time music or something it was like we played like a mumford and sons cover we played a which i mean i don't think that our music has a lot to do with that but yeah it was in the air at the time this was this was 2010 2011 yeah before we were a band before we were like you know trying to play our own gigs and they're just like hey what songs can we learn that we can like string together 45 minutes of music so that this fraternity can give us 150 bucks <laughs> yeah yeah believe me i've been but I've, i'm glad we did it yeah it fun. i've 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 played in an exact same venue as that my venues never got any bigger than that so you know i'm very <laughs> I'm, see there's nothing wrong with them <laughs> i'm very familiar with those and then when you don't play those songs that are popular everybody's looking at you like what the crap are they playing what is this yeah. why bring back the bruno mars yeah <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know what's funny is that for that first gig, we were sitting there on the stage at background music, of course, and uh, 
they were like people were like shucking oysters or roasting oysters is one of the things at this place and after like when we were done one of the fraternity brothers came up with an envelope and handed us i think it was two hundred dollars in cash mm. in the envelope and we didn't even open the envelope we went to this other guy that we knew named john whitley bless mm. his heart um who was willing to record for us an ep and he said and we said would you do it for this and we handed him the two hundred dollars and that's how we paid for our first ep nice very nice that's that's a yep. good. That's a good memory right there. That uh, I thought you were gonna there say go. they were gonna come with oysters in the envelope. Here you go. What? I don't want this. <laughs> this is a weird payment. Um, that was one thing before I leave uh, um, Chapel Hill. I wanted to ask. I know it's a very important question for my listeners. I also hear that Chapel Hill and Durham is a killer place for food. So if I come to Chapel Hill. And I call you up and I say, Joseph, I'm I need a place to eat. Hmm. What are you giving me? What's what's your oh. go to that I should eat at? Oh, dude! Incredible Mexican food scene. Really, really great taquerias. Mm. And like, done a lot of traveling in Texas and California. I'm yeah. Telling you, top notch. Mm. Um, there's a place down the street from my house named Guanajuato mm. that I love. Mm-hmm. But also, my favorite sushi anywhere around M Sushi downtown. Ooh, that's that's the best. There's tons of good stuff. It's true. It's a great scene. And then there's some classic stuff in Chapel Hill, you know? Yeah. It's hard to go wrong. Man, I'm taking, I'm taking, I'm I'm going with your Mexican, uh, Mexican uh, suggestion. That's, that's. Okay. We're going to get, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what we're going to get. We're going to get a wheat lacoche quesadilla, which is that sort of like fermented corn stuff, almost like moldy corn. Yeah. It's like a little funky. It's like Mexican kimchi almost. Wow. so good wow that's uh, i'm n- now now i'm excited man i'm gonna I'm drive up right now just for that you come on up uh, we're in california but you're welcome I, to it <laughs> i was about to say i'll i'll go eat on my my solo run there by myself it'll be fun um yeah you can crash in my you can crash in my bed it's not being used <laughs> well um back to back to the music side of things when you guys uh like i said you you initially started as a as a threesome Lily worked her way in. She, I mean, she was playing with you guys off and on, but she wasn't like a full member. Um, what ultimately led her to joining the band, being this fully contributing member? Was it just one of those things that it's like, hey, will you will you join already? Come on, just just be a part. Like, was it? Did she need convincing, or did you guys need convincing? How did it work? Uh, well, I think we all needed convincing that graduating college and jumping in a tour van was any kind of good idea <laughs> um yeah it's yeah it's actually libby libby she, i mean it's funny it's funny that this part of the story still gets told this way and i don't it's, it makes sense but like we've been a band for like eight or nine years and the only time libby was not fully in the band was the first year and mm. she was still coming to us she was still like a hired we still had her we were like hiring her to play fiddle with us before she was in the band. Mm. So it's kind of like she, we all started together and, and Liv and I met at the same time as the other guys. And yeah, we started, it was, we were all starting to get interested in like bluegrass and old time music together. And that mm. was our little, you know, group of buds who was, who were interested in that. Yeah. So it, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, but, a, a uh, well, she graduated a year after us is really why it took a year, ah. but yeah, she's been, that makes sense. That makes sense. He's been sense. with us for a long time. I just realized yeah. that I said Lily. That's why I was like, why did he correct me? And then I was like, oh, 
I said her name wrong. That's right. I'm sorry. That's about, okay. Sorry sometimes about it's that, funny. Yeah, we, we sometimes we call her Lily or Liddy or Lizzie. There's lots of versions. Of <laughs> it's it. Well, it's sort of like my dad sometimes calls me Bob. It's not on purpose. He just forgets which name he's calling me, and I'm like, "That's our neighbor, Dad." And he's like, "Yeah, it's close enough. It's a B word." And I'm like, "It's true. Okay, I'll take it." Yeah, you knew who he meant. <laughs> Mipso, as far as your guys' creation of songs. You guys all contribute, and I've heard you talk about, you know, how you contribute, and I've I've seen each of you explain, like, different songs and sort of together how the lyrics came together. Um, is, is it a grab bag of how songs come together? I mean, as far as, like, do sometimes uh, a member of the band come with a complete song and you're like, here's most of it, and then you guys just change it a little bit? Or is it sometimes, like just a melody and you're like I've got this melody or or is it is there a, a formula or is it always different uh yeah there, there's not one way to do it i think that the the trick to it or the goal is just to combine ourselves into something that's greater than the sum of the parts you know that's something that really makes it feel like a band yeah so we've done um some songs the words and and uh, melody come from one person mm -hmm. but then the band adds a lot of you know harmonies and arrangement and the rhythmic stuff and all the instrumental stuff yeah. kind of gives it a different personality but other times we've co-written and sometimes like you said uh, there's one particular song on this last record that Wood had a really cool melody a song called Shelter mm -hmm. and we kind of got together and worked on adding lyrics to that yeah so yeah i think that if we a lot of things are like this in band life. Like band life, if we if we decided there was a formula for it and one way to do it, um, I don't know. I think it would get stale really fast. I think that the, the point of what we do and uh, the best part when it's working well is that it's sort of a living thing that's always changing and it, it works well when we're paying attention to each other, yeah. both musically and just like as friends in our lives, sitting in the van together. Yeah. So w whatever way a song can be born, that's a good way for a song to be born. Nice. Now, I mean, just sort of in your opinion, do you think anybody in the band has like a particular forte as far as because like I'm always interested because like, uh, you know, big fan of the Eagles and the Eagles, they seem to have a forte as far as their songwriting. Like Joe Walsh always made these great little riffs and Henley was obviously amazing at the lyrical part of it. And and Glenn Fry uh -huh. was always great at the melody. Do you think anybody in the band has a particular forte as far as one of those things sticking out, or is it just you know run of the day they come up with something different every single time? Well, I think we've all got very different styles of songwriting, mm. and like ideally, like t my favorite version of the band includes all of them, and that's why I think it's the band, yeah, and not a uh, you know front person and back and back backing people yeah which is a fine way to have a band that can still be a band you know but um we all come from like enjoying songwriting and like lo loving that process and, and i think part of that is like chasing after like completing a song idea on your own mm -hmm. i think that that's a and i i really like songs that feel like they come from one personality i think that's a special thing and 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 I mean, you don't see poems written by a committee. Um, you yeah. see movies written by a committee because I think it's such more of a commercial thing. And there's something about the Nashville Row version of songwriting that I do think it loses something of like honesty because it doesn't have a personality in it. It's got, you know, a committee's work worth of work and decisions, which yeah. is oftentimes geared towards 
what what's going to appeal to people unless you're like anticipating that you're not really like honestly putting something out there so that's just to say like i think it's okay to finish a song as a person yeah and then oh hopefully you if you bring it to the band that can be a generous process on both ways like i want to be generous and say that guys i'm not precious about this and this this presented itself to me as a gift you know like as yeah. a as a finished thing but i hope that you can change it because i love you and love your ideas so let's h- hope you can change it and i hopefully and hopefully the band can be generous too and say you know even though it does feel like this lyric is done and i'm not going to add anything to it i know that i can change this and, and be a part of this because yeah. you know a, a song that was about so much more than what the lyric says in fact like most i think popular music now the production is kind of the first thing people hear and the, and the, and the way people categorize a song and yeah. whether they start dancing and put it back on and the melody and lyrics are like a vehicle for that. Yeah. I, I still am kind of like a, like I really listen to lyrics and that's something that's important to me, but yeah, basically, like I said, we, we have no rules. It's just like a, it's a, it's a grab bag. Would, would you say, uh, you know, you're talking about like presenting it to the band. Do you, and I, and I know, you know, there, there's not a real competition, but do you feel like a, a pressure of like oh, I gotta, I gotta make sure it's a good one if I'm gonna if I'm gonna show, or is it just like, hey, I was thinking of this. Here's this. Yeah, I think the former is more true. It's like, oh man, uh, we better, I better like, I better show a good one. And uh, yeah. but but like, I, I ideally I would aspire to be more like the latter, where it's like, hey, there's full transparency in my musical world. I'd love for you guys to hear this. It might be terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like you're gonna get, a, you're gonna get, find your way to a lot more good ideas if there's not a veneer of like ego and jealousy and yeah. um, fear of of whatever um, you know failure or rejection. Just like I think, I think everything I've learned important in life has come from being in a band. I think everyone should try it at least once in their life. It's just like life lessons galore from you know intimately working with other people it's, and that's definitely true about the mutual songwriting process the album making process yeah it's if, if only people had the talent to try out work <laughs> yeah hey, i think more people i think more people should should give it a go yeah no, nothing's stopping you yeah uh it's sort of like when people say everybody should uh should be a waiter or work in the service industry at least once you give give both of them a shot be in a band be a waiter for a little bit. Try both. I believe that. <laughs> well, I worked in a furniture store one time, mm. and uh, I worked in a guitar store. And when I worked in the furniture store, I had to memorize all this stuff about, you know, this is the Lawson arm on our English chair and all this stuff. So that wasn't it wasn't your average service industry job, but it probably was a little bit like being a waiter and that I was kind of like catering to wealthy people and showing them stuff that I hope they bought. But no, I never was a waiter and I feel like I probably should have been, like you said. <laughs> well, now, now in the guitar store, was that mainly just telling people that they had to stop playing the guitar after like three hours? <laughs> no, I, that was so much fun. That was like the best version of working in the, a store of any kind because it was like the local guitar store where like people just were part of a community there nice. and kids would come in and you know, just to hang, just to like be around music. Yeah. And to be the one but standing behind the counter. It's like, you know, when, when there's a great records record store or a great venue, mm-hmm. the people who are there it, to be a part of that crew was like so cool. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Definitely. Well, now, um, as far as as far as the albums go, Mipso's albums, I feel like the the last two albums were really sort of pivotal in different ways. Cause like Edge's run you guys hit sort of a curveball because the the production was different, uh, 
the sort of the, the creation was different. You guys went out uh, to the West Coast to work on that with with Todd as the producer there, which which is you know which was really different from what you guys had done in the past. Uh, how did that change yeah. Mipso, or or did it change you guys? What do you what do you think as far as that record and how you approached it was different? That record was a yeah a really a really different process for us, and one important reason was that we were all like we had been out of school for four years or so at that point, and I think we were like we were just kind of like growing up. I don't know if like like entering your late twenties, we started to like feel. It's hard to articulate exactly why, but at the, yeah. at the same time for all of us, we were sort of like, you know, feeling a, a sense of restlessness with mm -hmm. things that had been staying the same. We started to wonder, I think, in different ways, whether we should keep doing the band. You know, like who who wants to be in their college band for like for a super long time? I think it's pretty weird that we have. And we had to have that moment at like age 27. Like, should we, what, should we keep doing this? And if so, why? But yeah. also we recorded the two records in a row without either of them coming out. And so Edges Run that we recorded in the woods outside of Eugene, Oregon, in the spooky dark woods in January of 2017. Um, that was the second of those two records. And so it was, we'd already made a record. And usually you do this thing with the record cycle where you make a record and then you pause and step back and you play the songs, release the songs, get a bunch of validation and feedback from a bunch of people. Yeah. All of that. That's why they call it a cycle, right? Like, that's the second part of the cycle. And that informs what you do on your next record. I think whether you like it or not, even if you'd like to pretend to be an artist who's immune to the opinions of every A&R man, et cetera, and people in that world, mm -hmm. you know, these, these are things that you, you, we make to give to other people. So when you see other people receive them, that influences how you feel about the thing you made. Yeah. But the second record, we didn't do that. We, we made a second record having not heard what anyone thought about the record we'd already made. Mm. And it also was like... A kind of a tumultuous time between us um not that we like anybody hates each other or like you know none of none of us have dated and broken up in that span it was just yeah you know living intimately with other people in a tour van when you're when you got a lot of ideas and things you want to do in your early 20s I and mean, it's just like a you know pressure cooker yeah yeah and i can say this with some confidence now because still they're like these guys are three of my best friends and i'm super happy to be on tour with them yeah but that's just to say, Edge's run was a wild, wild time. Trump yeah. had just been elected, and yeah. which for us was kind of a—I mean, I know that clearly more than half of people who voted wanted that, but we weren't among those people. We thought it was sort of like a, a shock. We were in the in the in the shocking, yeah, you know, kind of still still in shock at that time, yeah. And uh, and then we we're in the dark woods in the middle of winter in Oregon, far from home, making a record, and it was just like holy cow what what is what are we doing yeah and i think what came out was a really good record not that i'd recommend that exact uh, uh <laughs> set of ingredients to anyone it felt kind of crazy at the time but i'm still proud of the record yeah for sure for sure now that album has uh the most popular song of mipso uh people change which uh, over the last three years i mean it's it's crazy you look at it on spotify it's got over 80 million streams uh, on Spotify, Spotify alone, Jacob sings that song, and and I think you just describing everything going in to that record. It to me, it explains a lot of what's in that song, uh, just sort of on a more personal totally. level. Uh, it, 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 did did Jacob bring that song to the group? Was that was that a song that he wrote the lyrics to, and or was it? Uh, more of a, a group thing. Yeah, that's a 
interesting version of the process. Uh, it, I would say that Jacob certainly had the core of that song, mm-hmm. um, but the chorus wasn't finished, nor were the verse lyrics finished. Mm. And he, I think, generously like brought it to us. I think he showed it to me first. And in the end, Jacob and Libby and I worked on it together gotcha. to kind of put it into its final form as like a full song. Yeah. Um, and that, that, to me, that's a really cool version of it because it's like still has the a real stamp of Jacob's personality. Yeah. But also, you know, like we we got to tweak it into a way that felt like both us and and very Mipso. Yeah. And yeah, it's so funny. Like we don't. I know there are, there are still like charts and like Billboard charts and stuff, but it does feel like what has replaced that is kind of like streaming numbers. Yeah. And and uh, I'm proud of that song and I'm proud of that record. So don't get me wrong, but I do feel like I should say. It is very weird to take what we make, which I think is a thing, something based on feeling and intuition and wanting to share it with people and put it into like a, a stats category. Like, yeah. You know, it, it's just like really weird that people can look up like, what are the stats on your music? I, I don't, if, I, if it were up to me, I don't know if that would be how, because it's like, then you get into this mindset of like, well, I guess we should make more of that thing. And yeah. if you're speaking purely career-wise, I guess so, right? Like and yeah. the, the numbers, the market has spoken or whatever. But at least what seems to me to be like the most good faith version of making music isn't based on as as dramatically as Spotify makes it out to be, like what sells, you know? Yeah. So well, I feel a little conflicted about it, to be honest. Well, I mean, that's always a thing that I love to ask artists because to me i mean i i love looking at numbers like that i mean regardless if it if it's uh you know my numbers or what but it just like i feel like that would drive me a little bit crazy in the fact that i would look at it and just be like why why the song what's going on in this song guys why is it so relatable you know or why do you want to hear it over again was it just an algorithm or was it actually something in the song and so yeah i think that probably would drag you away from actually just creating the the music you guys want to so i could definitely see how as an artist you just sort of want to stay away from it completely and also no, I, I, that's not the impression I meant to give either. Because I also think we'd be crazy not to like think about it. Like, wow, what made this song take off so much? And that's really interesting. And what can we learn from that? Yeah, we definitely have done that. Yeah. The other thing is, it does have to do, and like, like I said, I'm I'm proud of the tune, but it, it is really funny to realize that it does have to do with like an algorithmic aspect. Like, there's editorial playlists on Spotify, oh, yeah. and also algorithmic playlists. Yeah. So as the song does well on one, it gets sort of like automatically populated on another. Yeah. And I don't know. It, it's really funny. Yeah. Just the whole the whole scene of that. You know, I, I don't like. I don't feel like I'm in the position to bite the hand that feeds me. It's sort of our <laughs> bread and butter. <laughs> Isn't that weird that yeah that this 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 company we actually went to this went to the Spotify offices when we were in Stockholm, Sweden. Nice. We played some songs for them, and the whole time we were like, these these are the people who like control our lives, like basically <laughs> determine our career. What playlist do you get on? It's like that's that's the i don't know that's that's the about to say that's what it's about you guys were like you want us to stay here and jam for you for a while or we can i mean what playlist are you guys thinking about putting us on it'd be nice just just throw a couple on there well now exactly but like we've got some pride wrapped up in it where it's like you don't want to feel like you have to grovel for people that have that power of you you know oh yeah so it's it's a weird it's a weird thing oh yeah well now now you guys released the fifth album during the pandemic, uh, you guys recorded it before the pandemic, 
And I heard you actually say this in a previous interview, but you said you guys had to come, you had a come to Jesus moment while still making the tunes. Like, uh, sort of, give us a synopsis of that meeting. Yeah. I think the the fifth album, this is the self-titled one you're talking about. Yeah. It's kind of like the band, it's like the band getting back together album a little bit. Mm. I don't know that it's our, I'm not saying it's our definitive work necessarily, but yeah, we're super proud of it. But it was like, like I talked about the process of Edge's run uh, was tough on us for, I think for good reasons. And I'm like really glad that it forced us to stop and, and like take stock of, and, and, and and to like recommit. Like you don't, nobody wants to be. Like, you shouldn't do anything that you don't want to do if you have the option not to, right? Yeah. And I think it's really, it's a really good feeling when we sat down to start making this record. We all felt freshly again that like we really wanted to do this. Mm, nice. And that was the sort of come to Jesus aspect. Yeah. And we did it back home. So you know, we had just made a record in Oregon, which was probably all the better for like the strange, the strange environment. Probably made it better. Yeah. And gave a real stamp to it. Yeah. But for this one, we decided like, the opposite of Oregon in the winter was Asheville, North Carolina in the summertime. And man, it was just like, we were in this big, beautiful studio and you would, in between takes, you could just open up these big doors. This used to be a church. These big wooden doors would swing out and it was, you know, grass and cicadas and yeah. trees and humid air. It just felt so good. Nice. So I think that spirit's on this record. It's, it kind of, it feels, it feels comfy. It feels cozy. For sure. That, that's, that was Echo Mountain, right? That's right. Echo yeah. Mountain. Great spot. Very nice. Very nice. Now, um, you guys, when you released the album, obviously it was in the pandemic. How how did you guys feel about releasing it with no tour, no real on-the-ground promotion? That had to be weird considering you've never done that before. It was weird. It was the We've always felt like the final step of making a record is playing them live. And I think we've always been a live band. Like there's some years we've played... I think 2015 or 16, we played 200 concerts. Wow. So we were on the road for like 220 days. Yeah. Just like, that's like an important part of how we've like, how we understand ourselves as the band. So, so subtracting that step um, kind of felt like we, you know, it felt like the record was sort of a stillbirth. Yeah. It's a bit of a dramatic (laughs) metaphor, but you know, it's like, we didn't quite let it see it. We didn't quite see it come to life in the way we're used to, but it was a good process because we had to get together, um, to do like a lot or we didn't have to we got the chance when we weren't touring to get together to make a bunch of videos for the record yeah and um and make do a bunch of live streams yeah and so it was kind of like a part of the the process of us thinking like you know what is a band these days because it's obviously a lot more than just playing live shows mm-hmm. and even when we started the band in 2012 social media was certainly a thing but it wasn't you know, band bands are kind of just like content machines now. Yeah, what you do online is, is is the main thing. And like, there's plenty of bands that don't make studio records. They don't tour. They make singles. You know, yeah, they make videos or something. So yeah, it was kind of like, hold on a second, this is cool. We get to take a step back and be like, how do we fit into the modern ecosystem of record making? <laughs> Let's try to figure this this out. You know? Yeah, yeah, a little different spin. On, well, I mean, speaking of singles, you guys just released a single uh that was you know i i think recorded with this sort of this last album you released name is how you call me uh which was a, about a month ago 
was that released to sort of start the the touring process again or just touch base with the the listening audience why'd you guys decide to release that one yeah we felt like it was an appropriate time since we were getting back on the road and we didn't want to keep these in the can for too long because this one and the one that's coming out this coming friday mm-hmm. um is called which is called every drop mm-hmm. we're two from the same sessions that made the most recent record yeah and we didn't leave them off because we didn't like them. We left them off just because we felt like they kind of just ended up taking on a different life and having different personalities than the batch that really felt like a batch and made up the record. And so it's kind of like a continuation of this phase of the band. And we wanted people to hear these because pretty soon, I think we're going to, in November, we're getting together for some dedicated writing and early parts of the record making phase. Nice. So it's nice to have like all the stuff you've made out in public in the world before you start fresh. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Well, to, to make it full circle back from the start of the interview, I heard during the pandemic, it was, uh, aside from music, you had all this music, this content stuff going on, I, I heard you became a little bit of a an amateur arborist, sort of going around, <laughs> finding the trees. Did yeah. You, now, did you did you learn all the trees of North Carolina while you had some time to yourself? Oh, Ben, you've done such good research. I really <laughs> like that. Um, I I didn't learn. I did not learn all the trees. Okay. But I had my eyes opened in a beautiful way to the world of trees, and I, it's like I'm embarrassed to admit that I had never paid that much attention to them before, and now. Once you learn some tree names and start to learn a little bit about the trees, you know, it doesn't end when you learn the name. Yeah. Not like that. That's all, that's all there is to learn. But like figuring out, I think when they bloom, you start to just like feel a little bit more aware of things when you walk around. Yeah. The, I think what made that possible was that for the first time in my adult life, I was uh, in one place for all the seasons yeah. in a row, you know, continuously. And I got to think, oh, wow. Yeah smell that that's the honeysuckle this is the time when there's honeysuckle and then oh wait there's the strawberries there's Mm. the blueberries Mm. it's just like you you feel i felt a lot more connected to the place that i was from and learning the trees kind of was a was a cool was a cool part of the year for me yeah for sure actually i'm sorry i've I've made a record of my own this year and it has a lot it has it's almost all the songs are about trees nice (laughs) i really took it to heart very nice. Yeah. I uh, and speaking of honeysuckle, uh, one of my favorite smells in the world. Top three favorite oh. smells in the world is is fresh honeysuckle. You can't get much better than that. Absolutely. But what's, I, your, what's what's what else is in your top three? Uh, well, uh, pine in the sun. If you've got if you got a pine sort of baking in the sun, pine needles. I love that smell. Like that uh, on on oh, the, yeah. on the coast of Carolina. Oh man, love that. Love that, and then one mm. of, one of my favorites too in the top three, uh, jasmine, jasmine at night in the summer, can't get better than that smell. Yeah, that, that's jasmine is nice. Those 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 are my three favorite smells, uh, and they got they they always leave you wanting more. All three of them, like you you always catch a little whiff of it, and you're just like, oh, where'd that come from? Where was that? And you just yeah. you just keep on trying to sniff in more of it. You never get overwhelmed by it. That's why I think that I love those smells so much. Yeah, isn't that nice? Yeah, man-made scents can't do that as well. You know, no, it's hard to get that like that's that feeling of uh, 
Yeah, insatiability. Just, just slowly wafting in. Yeah, you get overwhelmed with a lot of man-made sense. It's a little too much. It's a little too much. You know one that always always gets me that's kind of a combination of the man-made environment and the natural is the, the smell of asphalt right after a summer mm. rain. Creosote, when yeah. It's, it's hot, steaming asphalt. Oh, yeah. man. And it's like you smell the fresh wetness on the leaves mixed mm-hmm. with that kind of mm-hmm. dirty ground smell. That's oh, a really yeah. special one. Yeah, no, it's that that one, I mean, obviously, because you get the rain and spring a lot, I associate it a ton with spring. I always, when I smell that, it mm-hmm. gives me that, that spring smell. Man, we got derailed into smells, but I'm I'm happy we did. Joseph. Yeah, we, I think it wasn't derailed. It was just rails. W- right, right where it was supposed to be. But uh, it lined yeah. us up right with a break, Joseph. I want to thank you for coming on the uh, the Doc G Show today. Ben, thanks so much for having me. It's for, fun. For sure. Listeners, you can check out all things Mipso at MipsoMusic.com. You can follow them on social media at Mipso Music right now. Let's take a listen to the most recent single, Name Is How You Call Me, right here on the Doc G Show. Nights are getting longer, children growing taller, going down the line feels like a maze. Breeze is getting brisker, flowers falling over, spinning round and round, stuck in a daze. Street lights over fall nights, halo through the cool, crisp air. Name is how you call me, grants you my attention. Couple bursts of air act like a spell. Love is how you keep me. Go in your direction Falling ever deeper down the well Drifting off to moonlight Voices in the wind saying my prayers
are back here on the Doc G Show. Joseph Terrell from Mipso, right there. You just heard Mipso. Yes. Fantastic, Mike. They're coming your way, man. That's right. I mean, they're on the they're on the West Coast. You're gonna have to go a bit of a ways to see them. I mean, it's like a couple hour drive, but you could see them if you wanted to. You, you can hmm. take it. You could take a drive. Check out Mipso. They're ending up their West Coast tour. They're going to be coming out with some new music soon. Get excited! So true. If you're anywhere near uh, Chapel Hill, go go try his Mexican restaurant. I, I'm I'm I want some Mexican right now, Mike. I want it. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want a little bit right now. Now, Mike, interesting how we ended that interview about our favorite smells. I was just telling you while the music was playing there that we actually did this segment before you came on the show, and we need to fire it up again. I know listeners are probably like, hey, where'd the Doc G Top 3 go? Well, don't worry, listeners. I put it down in a note. It's coming back next week. That's a fact. But... We did the Doc G Top 3 Favorite Smells, and so when Joseph asked me what my favorite smells were, I was like, how ironic. I know exactly what my top three smells are, because I've debated with myself what they are for this very show. And my top three smells, Mike, are uh, jasmine, nighttime jasmine, Mm -hmm. honeysuckle, and pine needles in the sun. Those are my three favorite smells. What are mm. your three favorite smells, Mike? Give it to me. Hmm. Uh, the like roasted almonds at Disney World. Oh yeah, those yeah. are. That's the best smell in the world. I think that would be not my number one. That is a good one. Uh, yeah, number two, I think would be. Um, I want to say it's like these around here. They have these like rosemary bushes, mm. and t- similar to your pine smell. Yeah, these things give off a very uh, distinct pine yeah. smell, and it's very tight. Uh, it's just amazing. Yeah, to I do. Love, they're all over the place. I do love rosemary. It does make a good smell. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely yeah. agree with that. What, what's uh, a third? Smells amazing. What's a third that you? Uh, got? <laughs> this is gonna be a little black and milds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a little secondhand smoke. Yeah, it's I love a little, the smell. It's a nostalgia. I, it's one of those things that you do get used to. You're like, oh, yeah, that's nice. That's nice. It smells great. Unlike a cigar <laughs> that you're just like, oh, Jesus Christ, what that? What are you putting in your mouth? Like, the cigar smells just disgusting. Like a regular old school cigar. Ugh. <laughs> but a black and mild, I can get behind that. I can see that. Yeah. It's, it's it's not it, you know the dangers of smoking it can reel you in hey what mm, that's a lovely yeah you gotta stay away from it <laughs> gotta stay away from it um the one that you reminded me of with the almonds that i'd put up there too uh waffle cones being baked ah waffle cones yeah that like waffle in a cones. mall or anywhere beside like a, a ice cream store you go buy that yeah. and just that sweet oh Mmm, mmm. Like I don't. Yeah, I mean, it's great. I don't even like. I don't even need a waffle cone when I'm eating ice cream. But like, just that smell is just like sweet. Oh my god, so good. Now, <laughs> yeah. If amazing. you do a good waffle cone, though, like if you make a good one, that is pretty. That's pretty money. It's pretty. I mean, yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's like a like a nutty buddy with a really good waffle cone. Oh, old school nutty buddy. Oh man. Yeah. 
Love me a good nutty buddy. I don't think I've buddy. ever had that before, actually. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, old school nutty buddy? Oh. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't know what that is. What is that? You know, it's, well, they have the pre-packaged I know the ones. cookies. They yeah, have the pre. The well, no. So they have the prepackaged ice cream nutty buddies, and what it basically is is a waffle cone, right, with with vanilla ice cream in it, and then it's got like hardened sort of candy chocolate on the top with nuts, and then mm. at the bottom of the waffle cone, it's just like a little solid piece of chocolate down there at the bottom too. Oh yeah, that's always. And but but like you can get an old school <laughs> like that at the actual ice cream store, like freshly made. Oh, mm. get out of town! Get you know, out of they town! S- they sell the uh, the ends of those cones with you, the chocolate filled in just, them by themselves. Just little nuggets. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that's crazy. Just like a, is it's that, like a little cone with chocolate. And they is just that sell a bag in, in the store? I think no. I think that's got to be an Amazon or some kind of specialty online buy. Oh but I think I'm God. pretty sure they do actually sell those. That's changed my life right there. I'm gonna, be- <laughs> I'm gonna become a diabetic just from those. It's gonna be horrible. Oh man, that's awesome. Oh, that I'm gonna is... order some. I'm gonna order some right now. Yeah. <laughs> or you know, after the show, I'm gonna order yeah, some. Yeah, exactly. See if I can find them. Yeah, see that that that's can so you've got the nutty buddy bars and then the nutty buddies and the nutty buddies are the ice cream and apparently they were first mass produced by the Seymour Ice Cream Company. What? Anyways, mm. I got really right. sidetracked. That was just on the <laughs> smell of waffle cones. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. So, thank you to Mipso for coming on the show, Joseph Terrell. Make sure you check out the new album. It's going to be fantastic. Make sure you check out the self-titled album that came out uh, earlier this year. It is fantastic as well. You've heard two songs from it. But right now, Mike, we need to do our last birthday suit. Are you ready? I'm ready. Now, this is a current singer. This is a current okay. singer. She's pretty young, but she is definitely extremely popular. Uh, born on September 29, 1994 in Edison, New Jersey. Growing up, her birthday suit wearer loved music. She started playing the violin and the cello before moving to the guitar when she was 14. She moved to Brooklyn when she was 17, started writing music. She started posting videos on YouTube and Tumblr. She made a song called Ghost, which became extremely popular on SoundCloud and got her a record label attention. Her debut album, Badlands, was released in 2015. It ended up going platinum and having four singles. In 2016, she co-wrote the song Closer with Chainsmokers, which went on to sell more than 15 million units and became one of the most streamed songs on Spotify of all time. She released... Uh, Her second album, Hopeless Fountain Kingdom, in 2017, she released singles Him and I with G-Eazy and Bad at Love. She released Manic uh, Manic in 2019. Her fourth album was released this year and was produced by Trent Reznor. Name that birthday, Sue Ware. Uh, Ariana Grande? I don't know. No. So bad, right? Uh, right. Have you heard of Halsey? Halsey. Uh, Halsey. No, I mean, I've heard of her, but uh, I don't know. That's it. That's it. I'm surprised you were able. Well, I mean, I do say Chainsmokers gets more credit for Closer than she does. But, I mean, around 2016, 17, you couldn't get away from that song. They were like 17 million remixes to it and just... 
It was everywhere. It was everywhere. And wow. him and I with G G Easy. That one's pretty, eh, pretty popular song too. Pretty fun. <laughs> um, Halsey, she is turning 27. 27. 27 for Halsey. It's good age. Not bad age. You gotta avoid dying when you're 27 as a musician. Yeah, it's a scary age for famous people. <laughs> scary age if you're a musician. I mean, you know, speaking of Kurt Cobain, speaking of yeah. Tupac, speaking of Jimi Hendrix, yeah. speaking of Janis Joplin, speaking of Jimmy, uh, uh, Jimmy, uh, Jim Morrison, all kinds mm. of famous 27-year-olds uh, met their maker at 27. So, uh, Halsey, stay alive. That's what you yeah. want to do. Stay healthy, stay alive for the next year and uh, many more after it so we can celebrate and we can continue listening to Closer. Well, I guess we could do that mm -hmm. regardless. But anyways, still, stay alive, Halsey. Enjoy your birthday. Have a good time. Uh, celebrate it with uh, everyone around you. Uh, Mike, if you're keeping count, that means you are one out of three there. One out of three. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I did. I did uh, We're gonna get back to a three out of three, out of three sometime. <laughs> We're gonna do it at some point in time. And listeners, I know what you're saying. You said, "Hey, you're gonna bring back Virgin Bat to do these." I know. We gotta <laughs> find a time to get Justin on the show to call him up to do another birthday suit. But regardless, Mike, that is the show for this week. I do need to tell you a couple of uh, great guests we've got coming on. I'm very excited about it. We've got the uh, we've got the band Wild Rivers coming on the show. Very excited about this band. They're going to be coming on next week. Can't wait for Wild Rivers to come on. That's going to be super fun. We've got a couple of other great shows lined up there. We've got Darling Side after that, the band Darling Side. So two weeks in a row, just fantastic bands. Can't wait to talk to mm. them. But uh, for now, we're going to have to wrap it up. We're going to have to wrap up the show. I've been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, Mikey Maximus, the Furnicus Charette. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. As of course. Always. Of course. And next week, we're going to have more things to go over. I can't wait. We're going to have, uh, you know, all kinds. Maybe we'll schedule a Nerf War. What? I don't know. Hmm. We might I'm do down. it. We might do it. I don't know how you do that, like, on Zoom. But we may try it. I don't know. Yeah. It's going to be tough. We'll give it a shot. But no doubt, I can tell you what we're not going to do. Go to AT&T Stadium. Because screw that no. place. All no right? Way. It's the worst place I've ever heard of in life with the worst refreshments ever. Anyways. Yeah. Guys, until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zippity-doo-dah. <laughs>